is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. Uh, This week we are covering Season 3, Episodes 16 through 20, and I am your host this time around. My name is Ben Hansen. And I'm joined by some mysterious figure in the dark. My name is Jeff Cork. Oh, it turns out there's something in the dark. Oh, unlike that episode of The Twilight Zone. Where it turns out there's nothing in the dark. It's literally nothing is in the dark. All right, I think we covered all the episodes, Cork, so if you just want to wrap it up then. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think I uh, had a good time. And see you next week. Bye, 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 Twilight. bye, bye. <laughs> All right, so first episode, number 16 from season three. Yes. Nothing in the dark. This one is an old lady who's barricaded herself in an old house, like put like chairs over the window and all this crap. Old chairs. Old chairs. Everything's old. And she's scared to go outside. There is a cop that gets shot and he's dying, played by Robert Redford, lying outside the door begging for help. She lets him in. Uh, she nurses him back to health. She explains that she's scared of death because she's seen death ever since she was a young lady. And she's the only one who sees this character and she's scared that if she goes outside, death is going to touch her and that she's going to die and she doesn't want to die. And then a contractor comes in, or like a demolition man, who she also thinks is death, but he has to tear down the building that she's in. And when that guy comes in, it's revealed that he cannot see the guy that she's nursing back to health, which proves that he is death. And then Robert Redford is death, convinces her that death is pretty sweet. And then they walk off together. Mr. Death. Mr. Death. <laughs> it's Mr. Death. So this is the third appearance from death. Yeah. I think it's one for the angels mm-hmm. and then the hitchhiker. Right. Uh, this is the nicest version of death. Less cr- freaky than hitchhiker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, less sweat than mm-hmm. the one for the angels version of death. Yeah. It, it is a good thing that that guy was actually Mr. Death because her idea of helping totally sucked because she just dragged <laughs> him into her dilapidated old house uh-huh. and like set him upright in one of those beds like you do when you're nursing yourself back to health. Yeah. Where you're like... You're sitting up straight in a bed with the, the blankets tight around your chest. Yep. He's been shot. Yeah, he made it very clear. I am bleeding out and dying out here. Next and scene, then, yeah. him drinking soup or something stupid like that. And it didn't come out in like a, a comic hole <laughs> in <laughs> he his to chest. Keep plugging it in different holes in his body. <laughs> doesn't have a phone. So it's just like, what? what's her end game there? Yeah. Just watch this guy slowly die. And he's like, oh, I feel much better. Yeah. Thankfully, in retrospect, it makes sense because he's a supernatural figure, exactly. so it doesn't really matter. Correct. So what was your uh, thought pattern going through this episode? Did you think he was death the whole time? As soon as I saw him sitting in the bed and he wasn't <laughs> like saying, ow, it hurts, <laughs> I've still been shot. It's like, yeah, that guy's totally death. I thought, it, I thought it did a nice job of immediately you're like, okay, no matter what, this is going to be death. Or like in the beginning, I didn't know if it was going to be Satan or death. I didn't know what she was scared of. Uh, uh, but then... At a certain point, I just kind of forgot about it. Like, well, mm-hmm. I assume he's not. It's probably going to be somebody else or some right. other twist. And then it's like, oh, no, the twist is the most obvious twist. Right. In the Demolition Man, though, you could make a case, like, originally, if you didn't, like, like myself, cement your your belief into the, oh, Robert Redford is death. Yeah. You could go, oh, the de- Demolition Guy could be death, because he gives a speech about how you have <laughs> Boy, to... Boy, does he. Yeah. He's like, ah, you got to tear down this crap hole that you live in to make room for new places and i thought oh that's a very nice little metaphor and then he keeps going with it until he's point of like you know animals in the woods old ones have to die and then new ones come left even you know people it's kind of like that too (laughs) the point is die yeah exactly (laughs) point is you need to die right now because there are kids in this world right also he was dressed like indiana jones like the leather jacket and he had the whole fedora thing he was a cool cat he's a pretty cool guy then death is like she asked death 
When is it going to hurt? No, whatever. When is it going to happen? Why? Look behind you. And then she's lying in the bed dead. And it's she's turned been dead all along. So was she in bed with Mr. Death? At a point in her weird, like, fever dream fantasy? Yeah, that was unclear. So she was dead after the contractor left. Right. And it turns out it's just the easiest thing in the world. Right. But she was lying in bed, and we never saw her go into bed. Right. So did she go into bed thinking she was going into bed with Robert Redford? And that's when she touched him and uh, got the touch of death? Mr. Death (laughs) and Mrs. Death. Oh, together forever. Adorable. And he winks at her at the end, and he says, uh, says, Mother, give me your hand. Aw. I would have liked to if she turned into a younger version of herself, because she did talk about how she used to be young and beautiful, and she... (laughs) Went out in the sun, even though tell, people told her it's really crappy for your skin. Yeah, and instead of just the old wrinkly lady yeah. who constantly has her eyebrows up in the sad face. Yeah. Like, oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always like it when people talk about how their skin used to be in shows, uh-huh. and they just paw at their face <laughs> while they're doing it, like like they're feeling the creases for the first time. Yeah. It happens a lot it's true. when old people talk about being young. I like that they took the time to go into the details of how she gets food. It's such a small thing, oh. but it's something that I immediately thought about. It's like, well, she barricaded herself in here. Right. Then she's like, oh, I leave food for a young man. And she thoroughly yeah. explains the process of how he brings in new groceries. And- With no money. <laughs> no. F- Where does she do all day? She doesn't have a phone, so she can't talk to people. She rearranges the chairs in front of her window. Yeah, to make like symbolic bars around her bed. <laughs> it casts a mean shadow. Yeah. I think I'm a sucker for any show where somebody's just super scared of death. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm super scared of death. Yeah, that's not going to be great yeah. when that happens. <laughs> but this episode made it seem like it's the best thing ever. If death does indeed take on a human form, I hope it's a young Robert Redford. He <laughs> seems very reassuring. Constantly winking at you yeah. as you're in agony, bleeding out on a sidewalk. Yeah, he said, why, when is it going to happen, Mr. Death? Why, look over there. Oh, I've been torn in half by a bus. <laughs> my there head. are stray dogs eating my face. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, dear. Uh, I ended up giving this one a seven. Hey, I gave that a seven too. Good. Good. Yeah. It seems like a simple one that I shouldn't have really liked, but yeah, I'm just a sucker for any good death story. Yeah, absolutely. Like Beyond Two Souls. Yeah. What a great death story. <laughs> All right. This next one is One More Pallbearer. Weird it, name. It really is. Uh, we start off a rich dude is putting on the finishing touches, uh, a underground bomb shelter, or so we're led to believe. He's got a screen that simulates a detonation of a mushroom cloud, like a nuclear device, mushroom cloud, and all that jazz. So he invites these people over from his past. We've got an old teacher, a military colonel, and a reverend. And he proceeds to dress them down saying, you're all from my past, you all suck, but now is your chance, you know, I've invited you here because I've gotten word, because I'm a rich and powerful person now, that there's going to be a nuclear war. And you can stay with me in this shelter but you have to apologize for being so mean. And beg. And beg. And they all say, nah, this, that's a really crappy idea, so see ya. And they want to be with their friends and family instead of being with this loser. <laughs> and he's just completely beside himself. He can't believe it. They leave. And then he, like the display shows the mushroom cloud blowing up and he hears like the alert and he's just horrified. He opens the door and it's actually happened. Whoa. But then actually you realize it hasn't actually happened as a double twist. And he's actually just lost his mind. He's wandering around in the street and the policeman's like, are you okay there, sir? And there's people all around and he doesn't see them. He just sees uh, complete nuclear annihilation. Because that's what he's like on the inside. Yes. 
the end. <laughs> I like this episode. This it, was a pretty cool episode. It is a good example of just a great f- you episode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. invites these people. It's like a Mr. Finchley kind of. Yeah, just the weirdest, most hostile guy. Just cannot get over the past. Oh, and these transgressions we should go into a little bit are, are f***ed up. They're just the worst. <laughs> like, this guy just needs to let go. Like, a teacher, uh, she, like, called him out in front of everybody because he was copying. Yeah. And he didn't like that. And the minister, uh, it turns out that, like, he was abusive towards a lady or he dumped a lady and yeah. she ended up killing herself. Right. And so, like, the minister gave him a talking to and he We're, didn't like that. And the colonel... Uh, they give him a discharge. They give him a military discharge because he <laughs> disobeyed direct orders. And then got like an entire troop killed because of it. Yes. They, they had every right to be completely confused. Because you imagine being pulled into this situation. Yeah. And it's this guy who you, you know, had a talking to because he absolutely deserved <laughs> it. There's like no moral ambiguity. It's like, well, yeah, you, of course I embarrassed yeah. you in front of the class 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> because you were cheating. You're a huge then and you're yeah. a bigger now exactly. for your top secret discussions where you find out when the world's gonna end yeah because he's the richest man in the universe and the teacher makes it clear she would rather die with a stray cat yeah. than stay down there <laughs> but he's like please beg beg get on yeah. your knees now, the interesting thing about this episode is i think it kind of you could it's like the opposite version of the shelter yeah the other fallout shelter story from this season they're both written by the same guy yeah interesting lamont Johnson. And they're different sets, too. So I was originally like, why would you possibly... Maybe he thought when he was writing it, it's like, oh, we've already constructed this set yeah. with a shelter, and we may as well like, do it again. But <laughs> this one's much nicer. It is a pretty cool set. And like as they're walking down, it's all shadowy, and you can hear his voice over the intercom. Mm-hmm. And then the lights come up, and it reveals that he's sitting in there with them. Yeah. Ready to go. So Everyone quest- wanted... I'm sorry to interrupt, but not really. Everyone <laughs> wanted out in this one, unlike the shelter where everyone wanted in. Yeah, it's like... In this one, when he explains the world's going to end, they're all like, oh, my God. And then it's another layer where he says, you can stay here, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, really? Like, they didn't even theorize that or even, like, think of asking him that. They just yeah, their immediate was like, assumption was they're going to get the hell out of there. Yeah. I don't want to be caught in a fallout shelter during a nuclear war. But he explains he has the warehouse. He has plenty of food mm-hmm. and water and the whole thing. So my question with this episode is, what's the benefit of structuring it so that we don't know it's not real? Or so that we know that it's not real, you know? Like, what if they just started the episode and you just had to go along for the ride and you explained it in the case of like, well, I got word and everything's going to be blown up. Oh, like we found out about it at the same time? Yeah, I think it'd be more interesting up until the double twist at the end. But the double twist isn't really better than actually living in that storyline instead of the entire time right. realizing like, well, this isn't real. Because like, if they just kept it a single twist, they wouldn't have had to do the double twist. To throw you off a little bit right so did they just want to play with a double t- twist of having the weird broken mindscape at the end but I think like probably and it would have seen a little seemed a little too pat like the one time that he picked to invite these people just happened to be when there was actually a nuclear holocaust yeah well no he would know about it it would still be the fact oh, that he knew about it actually know about it okay. yeah yeah okay. It, he wasn't just making it all up Killer footage. That guy's oh. like a triple jerk then. He should have stopped it then if he knew it was coming. <laughs> In that version that you're outlining, yeah. That's true. There was a really cool shot when uh, everybody leaves and the camera's like behind the screen of New York blowing up and mm-hmm. he like chucks a chair yeah, like a small table at the screen and it shatters. And yeah. I do like the idea that this guy was so fixated on 
again, these completely perceived transgressions that yeah. he just lost his mind <laughs> when they didn't play into his trap and didn't beg. They were just like, all right, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this one more than I thought I would. I ended up giving this one a seven too. Hey, I gave it a seven as well. Look at that. seven buddies. Jeez, oh, Pete. All right. Yeah. Next one is Dead Man's Shoes. Uh, There is a hobo who oversees some gangsters dropping off a body, and the body has really nice bowling-looking shoes. (laughs) And so he goes over to the body once the gangsters leave and puts on the shoes. The shoes then possess him and force him to walk back to the gangster's hideout. Uh, And then he tries to assassinate the guy that assassinated the guy who was originally wearing the shoes. Does that layer make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So he tries to kill him. Uh, He doesn't, and he gets shot by the gangsters, and in his dying breath, he's like, I'll be back. As long as these shoes are around, I'll come back and get you. And then they (laughs) drop off that guy's body, and then another hobo takes the shoes, and it's a constant cycle in theory. Yes. I like this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Go on. Okay, so when we first start off, like the guy's... Gangsters pull into the alley, right? Yeah. And they're like, get rid of it, right? Yeah. Drop the body, and then it shows, like, this hobo. He's so poor, he doesn't even have, like, newspaper. They're just, like, blank pages. Mm -hmm. And and then he he comes down the the fire escape. It is his first immediate thought is, I've got to steal these shoes. Get a load of those shoes. Right. And he does, and then he's he's just kind of walking around. He also takes the key to the guy's apartment, right? Yeah. Which kind of sets things in motion, too. And he kind of makes a funny face when he puts the shoes on, too. And he's walking... And his two like hobo accomplices or one's like, British acquaintances, yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, those are some nice shoes. Uh, it seems like you've come into a large fortune or something. You, know, <laughs> you still look like garbage outside of the shoes. <laughs> yeah. But. So yeah, and they're one of them. You know, the British guy. He comes into play at the end. He's the guy who yeah. keeps the cycle going. Right. But um, yeah, and he just totally goes to the apartment and walks in like he owns the place. Like the the gangster who died, his girlfriend is there. And he's just like, hey, go make me a drink. And he just walks into the bathroom. Like, Excuse me? Like, yeah. who are you? <laughs> yeah, and he just like shaves, showers. And then when he takes his shoes off, though, he kind of looks confused, like, mm-hmm. where am I? What's going on? And then she's like, get out of here. And then he puts, and, and put your shoes on too. And then he puts the shoes on. And then again, he's like, hey, where's that drink? And yeah. Kisses it, her. <laughs> There's a good moment <laughs> where she goes, her. she goes, you got to get out of here if you know what's good for you. And he goes, oh, I know what's good for me. And then and he goes, you. And then he kisses her. And at first she's like, no, oh, God, no. And then, you know, classic 60s women in television. Then she learns to like it. Yeah. And then she's like, ooh. And then she like starts moaning. And then she's like, oh, yeah. it's you, Dane. I can tell from your distinctive well, and tongue also, patterns. And also his trademark drink, a shot of tequila with a cube of sugar in Just it. The it sounds delicious. Thing. I guess I've never tried it. I mean, we could try the old Dane. But they just had to give him something super distinct that he could order at the bar later so that the right. gangsters are like, this guy's ordering the drink of the guy that I killed. Mm-hmm. But I did like that it was such a subtle transformation. There were no, like, you know, man with two brains, like, struggle. Like, oh, what's this? It's just like, there's just a quick shot of his shoes kind of pointing in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And then the music comes in, which is from the Franklin episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the clue that, like, okay, the Dane guy has taken over. Mm-hmm. So every time he has those shoes on, like, the jazzy score would yeah, kick back in. Exactly. And there's like the weird scene when they're in this bar that's a little too small for the kind of action that's happening. Is he's sitting up at the bar and he orders the drink and the gangsters are at their special table, which he could have like turned around on the bar stool and tapped all the gangsters' faces with his finger. (laughs) 
But he's they make a big deal out of like, hey, that's the guy, isn't it? It's like, we'll just turn around and talk to each other. <laughs> the, go, go get him. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to stand up and walk over. Hey, he wants you to sit at the guy's table. Yeah. And then they frisk him later and they find a gun. Yep. The one gun in his waistband and the guy's like, happy Christmas or happy Easter. Happy Easter. Easter. <laughs> and he takes the gun out. Yeah. Like, All right. But then he has another gun like hidden in his socks. Yep. They're terrible gangsters that they wouldn't think of checking down by yeah. the socks for a second gun. And that's where we learned that the motivation was greed. Turns out. Because they were former partners. Yeah. And the guy who used to be Dane is like, hey, you got rid of the blood stains On the carpet. Yeah. And he's like, oh, how did you know that? And then goes to shoot the guy and like an accomplice comes out from behind and the guy who would be Dane shoots him. But then it's the old swivel bookcase. Yeah. And there's a guy, guy with sticking his little gun through the bookcase directly <laughs> in front yeah. of him. Yeah. And then they, they dump the body off in the same spot. And that's when British guy finds the shoes. Yeah. And as long as they never fix the homeless problem in mm-hmm. this country, that's yep. just a loop that's going to really keep on going tragic. forever. So my question upon like watching this yeah. is, okay, so is Dane just always going to be the vengeful spirit because they're his shoes and everyone else is just a vessel for this revenge? Or does it now go to the hobo spirit? Yeah, is there like another passenger on this train? I think the implication that it's always going to be Dane. Okay. And he's always going to go back and his lady is going to get a new man every night that kisses the same way Dane does. Ooh, a handsome British guy. <laughs> exactly. A little, little on the old side, but... <laughs> A little dirty. When he first went to that lady's apartment, and she's just so confused. She's like, who are you? Why are you here? Get out of here. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps saying, make me a drink. Like, he never even attempts to explain what the f***'s going on. I'm Dane, baby. Yeah, just (laughs) say something. But no, he's just the rudest (laughs) ass. Go ahead and get me a drink. Give me a drink. Can't you hear the jazzy score? Don't you understand what's happening here? (laughs) I thought the performances in this one were really good. I really liked the main actor. I thought he did a great job. Absolutely. Uh I, I wasn't crazy about the plot, but I thought the performances bumped it up to a six for me. Really? Yeah. I gave it an eight because I like the idea. I like this one made me think for a while afterwards, just kind of like, okay, these shoes weren't that great. Why did he put them on? No, I, I was thinking about, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about just kind of like what I had asked you, like how, how far deep does this revenge train go and why is it the shoes? I don't know. I just like the episode. They I, in my exhaustive Wikipedia research, yeah. I was like, Where? I thought that the actor looked familiar. And yeah, he told he was not. So I a, thought he looked familiar too. I thought he was. He had a similar facial structure mm-hmm. to uh, the guy in Last Crusade who ages quickly at oh, the yeah. end. Like it's that same round face, but yeah, he's just kind of like a famous old timey television actor. Yeah, I did learn out. though that in the Twilight Zone reboot, yeah, they made an episode called Dead Woman's Shoes. What a twist! What a creative factory they were for <laughs> doing a whole gender swapping yeah, there. exactly brilliant speaking yeah. of wikipedia though yeah uh this is the first episode we've recorded since christmas it is and for christmas i got uh the twilight zone companion book okay which is where like the most interesting details are pulled out and put on the wikipedia entry for each episode mm-hmm. um but it turns out that it's super fun and it just goes through every episode and has like little production notes and it's it really helps out because they also kind of give a quick bio of like the different writers, especially for like the first couple seasons. Yeah. It's like really, it's Rod Serling and then two other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, it's nice to actually put a name on that and figure out like, okay, the dark episodes are all this guy. And then kind of the weird twist episodes, they're mainly this. And the nostalgic episodes, that's mainly Serling. And like, it, I don't know, helps you organize the entire thing. Huh. But uh, when I finish it, I'll, I'll toss it over to you. Cool. Because it's pretty good. Excellent. 
We could just read from it. Let's just do that. That's that's what, <laughs> as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is just like actually interesting interviews with the people that made the episodes, and this is just a better version of our podcast. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you might want to just cut that entire part out then. <laughs> All right. So Take the it next away, episode, dude. the hunt. All right, this is another double super twist episode. So we start off with a hillbilly right out of central casting who is coon hunting with his dog Rip. And he comes home and there's his wife. They kind of have this fun banter back and forth. And you learn that Rip is his best buddy and saved his life at a point. And she kind of begrudgingly allows the dog to come inside. And they eat dinner and reminisce about what a great time they've had after nearly 50 years of marriage. And then he's like, well, I'm going to go coon hunting. I'll be back. They go out raccoon hunting. And Rip chases after a raccoon, and then the raccoon, wily critter that it is, dives into the water. Rip jumps right in after it, and our hero says, no, no, the raccoon, he's tricking you. He's going to drown you. So he's like, all right. So the, our hero jumps in to save Rip, and you see a bunch of bubbles, which is never a good sign, and then it fades out. Come to, it's the morning. Rip and the old man apparently slept through the, slept through the night, and they... Head back home. They come upon a couple of dudes who are digging a grave, and they won't pay any attention to to Rip and the old man. And then go to the house, and his wife's all dressed in black, and apparently they're having a funeral. And it's for him. He has died, and no one's paying any attention, and so he's all bummed out about that, of course. So he decides, well, I'm going to go watch the funeral, but there's a big gate. He can't go into the graveyard, so he just starts walking and walking and walking. He finally comes upon a, like a little gatehouse, and the guy says, hey... What's your name, fella? And he tells him, and you kind of are led to believe, hey, it's St. Peter at the Pearly Gates. And he's like, well, come on in. Um, just leave your dog right there. And he's like, nope. Rip <laughs> Rip comes with me. It's a package deal. And the guy's like, no, you can't do that. You know, heaven's only for people. Uh, he's like, screw that. So Rip and the old man wander away. And then this other guy, looks like Lou Abner, comes over and says, hey, you ready to go to heaven? And he's like, well, yeah, but you said I couldn't. And he's like, ooh. Who'd you talk to? And you find out the guy they talked to was the devil. And oh. the reason they don't allow dogs is because the d- dogs can t- smell the brimstone. So then he's going to heaven where you can go raccoon hunting and you find out his wife will be there shortly. The end. Cork, this is the best episode of the Twilight Zone. You really think so? No. <laughs> I really did not like this episode. Right when it started, I took the note and said, I'm going to go ahead and predict that this is a three right now. Really? But that's just my prediction. Stay tuned to find out what I actually gave it. Okay. Uh, but like when it's just the banter with his wife, like, how long has it been since you've been kissed? It's like, yeah. oh, I just want to turn this off right now. Really? I really don't want it. I thought it was fun. Really? Yeah. I liked the idea of just wandering around aimlessly in the wilderness and then you stumble across gates that apparently will lead you to heaven but they like take the form of the world that you're living in okay so it's like the old rickety gates and having mm-hmm. that guy trying to lure him in and, and he's like far be it for me to hop this three foot high fence to get it's like he's in a battlefield game or something <laughs> <laughs> it just is filled with over the top uh, southern oh gee i don't know about that yeah kind of voices that drove me nuts so did you like the fact that Rip's leash was a rope? Yeah, that is <laughs> absolutely my favorite thing. I thought it, it must be, be really tiresome for that couple every day to have that same interaction about, can you, it ultimately boils down to, can the damn dog come inside the house or not? Yeah. Because at first I couldn't tell what their relationship was because he's talking about like, 
Like she's never heard this before. That's dog saved my life. He's got to be allowed inside the house. Right. She's like, nope. And then she relents. And I guess when you're in the country, they they probably don't have a phone either. No, they got into role playing a long time ago. <laughs> uh, Rip is their only son. Yep. Uh, yeah, because it turns out at the end that not even the devil can fool a dog. No. And then Rod Serling gives the advice to die with a dog because it'll guide you <laughs> to heaven when you die. I plan, like, that's going to be the last thing I do is to strangle a dog <laughs> as I'm dying. You know? As you're torn in half by that truck, <laughs> just exactly. reaching for the nearest dog, trying to suffocate it in time. Come with me. <laughs> I need your guidance. <laughs> yeah. I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a very sweet touch that he still asked the angel at the end about his wife. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, my wife will be coming through here. And the angel's like, oh, she'll be coming real soon. Yeah. yeah. She's going to drown herself in the raccoon pond as yeah. well. This leads to the question from, like, nothing in the dark as well. In the Twilight Zone, it seems like the after... Maybe when they get to the actual, like, heaven... Yeah. They go back to their younger versions. Because I can think of nothing more miserable than being stuck as an old person for, mm. for all eternity. Well, I mean, if you look at heaven, we have fats... Mm-hmm. Uh, Fats Arbuckle, whatever the hell his name <laughs> Fats was. Fats Brown. Fats Brown. Uh, I mean, he was still fat, but right. maybe he was just being seen as Klugman wanted to see him. Right. Uh, there's. Do you see heaven in that one episode with Pip, the guide? No, you just see hell. Well, it, it guess it's all hell. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other instances where you see heaven. It's never really too clear. No. Maybe they weren't allowed to show it. Yeah. So in his dream heaven, do you think he would become young and his dog would like grow a bosom and start walking around <laughs> on two legs and become his more attractive wife to fill in until his real oh, wife gets there? Oh, dear. I liked it that the Satan guy, they were pretty subtle about it. He like, was totally cool. Yeah, he was just a nice guy. The only hints were like a couple shots of Rip not really liking him, but it wasn't like Rip was going over the top with growls or anything yeah. like that. It was just like real quick shots of oh the dog is uncomfortable they would have telegraphed it a lot more if it were a new show like if it were filmed now yeah i guess so uh so i ended up giving this one a two <laughs> really i really didn't like this one wow i oh, gave it upside down two give it a five okay all right yeah i'll accept that uh next one is called showdown with rance mcgrew which is a horrible name yeah when reading it, it was like, oh, I don't know where this is going. But the episode starts, and it's in the Old West. And I wrote down, ah, I don't want another Western episode. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> exactly. I wrote down, God damn it. <laughs> so then they're waiting for uh, the sheriff. Or is it sheriff? Or what is his title? Anyways, you're waiting for the sheriff to come into town, and it's this long shot of a street in the Old West. And then all of a sudden, a convertible mm-hmm. comes peeling around the corner and driving up, and it's like, all right, this just got awesome. And then the convertible pulls in. It turns out that it's a set and that he's an actor, uh, a very nitpicky, annoying actor that everybody hates and he constantly screws everything up and he's just a complete wimp. Um, And Rod Serling makes it clear that the old timers, the actual cowboys of the West, don't take kindly to what he's doing, to how he's portraying the West. Mm -mm. Uh, So he's doing this whole episode where he's supposed to shoot Jesse James. And then at a certain point... While he's drinking ginger ale, which is supposed to look like whiskey, he suddenly realizes that it tastes like real whiskey, and he turns around, and he's traveled back in time to the actual Wild West. And then the real Jesse James comes in and explains to him that he's given him a bad name, 
and that he's going to duel him. But it turns out that Rance McGrew is a complete coward and doesn't want to duel with Jesse James. So then Rance McGrew is transported back to the set after getting scared of the real Jesse James and kind of vows to uphold their legacy. And then just to make sure that he does, it turns out that his agent in the future again is Jesse James wearing a stupid beret and like a Hawaiian t-shirt. He's Dom DeLuise. Oh, is it's it Dom DeLuise? No, he looks like Dom oh, okay. DeLuise. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the idea is every episode of this show that Rance McGrew is filming now, he's just going to get his ass kicked uh, by the old timers, like the real legends of the West, because they are sick of their the good cowboy name being drugged through the mud. Yes. That's the legend of Rance McGrew. <laughs> that's the legend of Rance. It's a really funny episode, I think. It is surprisingly funny. They yeah. did a lot of like... You know, Rance McGrew at the very beginning, you know, he's doing all these ridiculous gun tricks and he's spinning the gun around and stuff like that. And then, you know, you see like the director and I'm assuming the cinematographer kind of sharing a glance. And then he flings the the gun flings out of his hand behind him and breaks this huge mirror behind yeah. the bar and they exchange like 10 bucks or something like that. It's like and then long... later on in the episode, it happens again. Like he yeah. just keeps breaking this mirror while trying yeah. to spin a stupid There's gun. There's a really good moment too where the bartender, he's like, whiskey like the bottle <laughs> it like slings the bottle of whiskey down the bar yeah and he misses it and it falls down and rance is like you put english on that he's like <laughs> he's on a bottle on a bottle <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he finally gets the you know does it again and the bottle comes and he like does the thing and like this... i guess it's a thing yeah because we saw that in the other uh you see a bit similar to it in mr denton on doomsday where they offer mr denton he's all drunk a drink out of a bottle that he smashed the top of it and like the neck off. It's like yeah. the jagged broken glass thing. This time you actually get to see what that would be like because he smashes the top of the glass and then Rance is like, Ugh, takes a slug of it and then he's like spitting out broken glass. and Yeah. And then it's funny because when he goes back in time, he tries to do that again and the entire bottle just shatters. Like it actually <laughs> wouldn't. He's like, hey, what the hell, man? It just seems like a terrible idea. Like why wouldn't you? Yeah, just drink it. It doesn't make you that much cooler. Yeah. And then I also liked it in the present day is like the director and the cinematographer that keep making bets on how Rance is going to blow it. And then it always cuts to like an old guy in the rafters. Yep. It's like the old crewman is just like the old guy in the Muppets just like yeah. laughing at him. It's like, oh, God, He's reading Rance. a paper while he's yeah. up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this was maybe the funniest episode yet of Twilight Zone. It was a really funny episode. I, liked I even it. liked it like when uh, every time he was in like a remotely hairy situation, he would just pause the entire action is stand, stand man stand man yeah. he's kind of screaming into like the whiniest voice and then of course when he goes back in time and the real jesse james is going to beat the crap out of him yeah. he keeps calling for a stunt man and it doesn't happen no yeah and they do the all right we're gonna you know pace off and then then we'll shoot each other yeah and he just runs just runs down the street <laughs> yeah and he can't pull his gun out of his holster I like the idea, too. Like, at first, you just think, like, oh, this is the real Wild West, mm -hmm. uh, and he's just going to have to live here. But it becomes clear at a certain point that the real Jesse James has seen every episode of his show. Yes. Which is like, wait, what's going on here? And then it's kind of hinted at that all the old, you know, gunslingers hang out together in heaven yeah. and watch every Western on TV. Yeah, they're sensitive. Yeah, he, said, he has that line. He says... We may be stiffs up there, but we're sensitive. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like talking about like at one point in one of Rance's shows, he like jumped 800 feet down a canyon <laughs> and landed on a guy's horse. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, have you ever actually done that, Rance? He's like, uh, no. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it. 800 feet is pretty far. That's a really <laughs> long jump to land on the back of a horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
overall, yeah, I really like this episode. It's a, it a fun idea. Even like in the credits, it's like it's written by Serling, but then based on the idea by somebody else. So I'm guessing it's just somebody hanging out in a bar like, hey, what about this idea? What if real gunsmiths, gunslingers yeah. could watch just the horrible Westerns on TV? Yep. And it was a fun way to send up all the Westerns that were on the TV back then. And Yeah, I had the same reaction, though. As soon as the we were in like a saloon, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Come on, Twilight Zone. Yeah. The only way this could be worse is if a UFO dropped off some guys from the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my least favorite things in Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, I ended up giving this one a seven. Yeah, as did I. Good. The only thing that brought it down were the horse reaction shots. <laughs> it's like it's like the bad movie trailers where it cuts to a dog like, yeah. they kept doing that with a horse. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I remain, every time I see a horse's teeth, it just creeps me out. <laughs> Because they're super gross. Well, is it that they're gross or that the lips kind of raise so far you get to see so many gums? Yeah, it's both. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I don't imagine that people are brushing horses' teeth, so it's not their fault. Yeah, poor horses. And the hooves, you can't hold a toothbrush. <laughs> All right. I was going to say that this was kind of a mediocre batch, but I ended up giving out a lot of sevens. Yeah. It's which, just that, dead or not Dead Men's Shoes, but it's just that the hunt dragged it down so low for me that I see it as kind of like a meh. Yeah. It's it's one of those two like the hunt. There's uh, like those. There's a lot of episodes of the Twilight Zone where are just like the blink. Yep. And you have no idea going into it's like oh the hunt. What is this? I was like I thought immediately oh it's going to be the most dangerous game. Exactly. I was <laughs> really hoping for here. that. But then it turns out it was the least dangerous game. A wet raccoon. <laughs> exactly. But it turns out to be the most dangerous game because it kills two people or two <laughs> two animals. Yeah. I kind of wish that the raccoon had popped out and like flipped the bird. <laughs> But whatever. How do you think he drowned in that swamp? He just like dove in. It couldn't have been that deep. I don't. I didn't know that raccoons were notorious for tricking people into drowning themselves. Yeah. Yeah, in small ponds in the middle of woods, and also like that was a weird shot too because they're trying to make it look like night. It was mm-hmm. very confusing. Like what time of day is it? They have crickets, but it's so bright out. Yeah. It's, it's really. It was really weird. That episode sucked really <laughs> hard, and I'm gonna fight for it to be the worst episode of the season. Really? Sure. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you think of The Hunt and some other episodes in the comment section below. Uh, and then we'll be back next Monday for the next episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. Twilight Highlight by Light. Testing, testing, one, two, testing, one, two, level, 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 level,